Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the show. Uh, As promised on last week's program, in our second segment today, we're going to speak with Dr. Konstantin Pleshikov, the author of a book titled Stalin's Folly, The Tragic First Ten Days of World War II on the Eastern Front. June, of course, marks uh, the anniversary of, of D-Day, June, June 6th, of uh, the invasion of Europe in 1944. In June of 1941, Hitler launched a massive three-pronged attack on the Soviet Union with devastating con- consequences for the USSR and, and the world and for the Allies. Um, it'll be a very interesting talk about what happened in 1941. So please, by all means, stay tuned for that in our second segment today. And just to let you know that you are indeed listening to the UC Davis station, we would note that today, June 9th in the year 68, Nero, Emperor of Rome, committed suicide. And uh, apparently Nero did not fiddle while Rome burned. The fiddle had not been invented at that time. But let us prove that you're not listening to KFBK by quoting from Suetonius, from the Twelve Caesars, commenting upon the Emperor Nero, as follows. On several occasions, he, Nero, took part in the chariot racing, and at Olympia, where they had the Olympics, drove a ten-horse team. He fell from the chariot and had to be helped in again. But though he failed to stay the course and retired before the finish, the judges nevertheless awarded him the prize. We would highly recommend Suetonius' The Twelve Caesars uh, because the chapter on Nero alone is, well, it's a howl. On this date, 1934, The Thin Man, a film based on the novel by American author Dashiell Hammett, debuts in New York City. William Powell and Myrna Loy are excellent. Available on uh, home DVD and, uh, and, and, and video. You know, we're a bit formulaic, I think. We do the day in history, we do a joke or a cartoon, and we do a statistic, but it seems to be working so far. So let's do our joke from The Onion, sent to us by Julie. Pentagon base closings are in the news, uh, so Julie (laughs) sent me this title from The Onion. Pentagon announces plans to close Camp Snoopy. Bloomington, Minnesota. The Pentagon announced Monday that Camp Snoopy, the largest indoor family theme park in America, is one of 34 major bases scheduled for closing as part of a vast military re- repurposing and realignment designed to save $50 billion. It's an especially good joke because when I was uh, attending this, this Prindy conference in Minneapolis, we actually passed by Camp Snoopy. Thanks, Julie. And our special media correspondent, Gary Chu, sent me an email directing me to the Oliphant guest cartoon, In the Bee, showing Uncle Sam sitting on the sidewalk next to Joe Stalin, saying, Joe, people are likening Guantanamo to one of your gulags. It's giving me a lousy image, to which Stalin replies, 
Most of the world was too young or too ignorant to know about gulags. It's kind of apropos for today's talk with Dr. Pleshikov. We're going to follow up on that story. Amnesty International says that the United States is running a bunch of clandestine bases where we uh, sequester people away, uh, comparing it to the Soviet gulag system of prison labor, which operated in Siberia. I, I certainly don't think we're operating anything on that level, but the comparison does sting. Stay tuned for some follow-up on that. And from last week's News and Review, This Modern World by Tom Tomorrow, if Jeffrey Dahmer had been a right-wing pundit. Panel 1. If you ask me, we should lure liberals into our apartments and kill them and eat them. <laughs> Which the viewer's going, ha, ha, ha. He just says what everyone's thinking. You see Dahmer appearing on Fox with Alan Combs. Jeffrey, I just don't agree with your assumption that liberals should be killed and eaten. Of course you don't, Alan. You're a liberal. <laughs> you should fatten up a little, by the way. And in the final panel, uh, the way I figure it, you got Al Franken on the left and Jeffrey Dahmer on the right. Other guys going, well, I guess the truth what lies somewhere in the middle. And our stats, a couple of note. From the Los Angeles Times, thanks to the boom in housing prices, 437,000 Californians are trying to make a living selling real estate. Unfortunately, there are only 680,000 home sales in the state each year. That is well under two homes for every aspiring realtor. Hmm. How about this one from USA Today? Since January 2000, members of Congress have gone on 5,649 vacation junkets that were indirectly funded by lobbyists and others seeking to curry legislative favor. The individual record holder? Representative Maxine Waters, Democrat, California, with 61 trips. And I'm not sure this would be Radio Parallax at this stage in the game if we didn't go to our good friends over at The Week magazine for their Good Week 4, Bad Week 4 section, <laughs> because we enjoy this. Uh, the Week magazine judged it a Good Week for the dark side of the force. After a movie theater in Springfield, Illinois, showing Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, was robbed by a man in a Darth Vader mask. The week judged uh, last week a bad week for thrift after an Arkansas man leapt from the window of a speeding car to retrieve his dropped cigarette. Jeff Foran, 38, who police said had been drinking, hit the road at 60 miles an hour, sustaining, uh, sustaining substantial facial trauma and road burn. It was likewise judged a bad week for imaginative legal defenses after lawyers for two American West pilots on trial for allegedly operating a plane while drunk contended the pilots weren't all that badly impaired. As the pilots prepared to take off, the lawyers said, they were, quote, able to see, hear, walk, talk, etc., Boy, wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall in that cockpit? I can fly this thing. I've flown planes way drunker than this. This might be a good moment to remind you listeners here at UC Davis that, uh, that out here at University Airport, we have the only UC campus with its own adjacent 
Airport. Good place to go learn how to fly. I recently got uh, checked out again to uh, to fly the Cal Aggie Flying Farmers uh, aircraft. I'm a club member out there. And I would remind you that the rule is eight hours from bottle to throttle. And finally, it was a good week for British women. After scientists declared British men the world's longest-lasting lovers, clocking in, <laughs> clocking in at an average 7.6 minutes for each act of lovemaking, Americans averaged 7 minutes, while Turkish men finished last with a fleeting 3.7 minutes. Now, the problem I have with this statistic is that, that British men take the cake by averaging 7.6 minutes. That gets you the ranking of the world's longest-lasting lovers under eight minutes. Ladies, does, does that sound right to you? And um, I don't know whether any of you listeners saw this remarkable uh, reconstruction of the face of King Tut, but it's quite striking. They did uh, computerized tomography CT scans on, uh, on Tut's mummy, to reconstruct with some exactitude his face and head uh, structure. They were then able to flesh out this image that is, is really quite startling. Uh, um, really remarkable bit of science. The previous effort to reconstruct the face of Jesus we reported on last year, which was based on basically, you know, uh, digging up uh, uh, three Jews, apparently in Israel, from, from about the time of Jesus, and then morphing them together and averaging them out to get, you know, the so-called, quote, face of Jesus, unquote. Uh, not good science. No, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to do these. I'm sitting here looking at a bunch of, uh, of stuff, a bunch of um, articles that... They're kind of depressing. I, I'm not re- Let me come back to these. I'm not ready for this. Let's quote instead from Andy Borowitz, who noted as regards to film actor Russell Crowe being arrested in New York City after apparently throwing a phone at someone. Uh, well, Borowitz said, One day after actor Russell Crowe hurled a telephone at a hotel desk clerk, cutting the man below the right eye, thousands of activists marched on Washington calling for Congress to adopt stricter phone control measures. Chanting, hell no, phone for crow, the protesters marched up and down in front of the Capitol in what organizers called the largest phone control demonstration ever. The phone control movement, one of the most persistent and vocal lobbying groups in Washington, has long warned lawmakers about the dangers of easily available phones falling into the hands of volatile, babyish movie stars. On the other hand... Davis Krogan, a powerful pro-phone lobbyist in Washington, held a press conference to deliver what he called an important message. The fact is, he said, phones don't cut hotel desk clerks below the eye. Russell Crowe cuts hotel desk clerks below the eye. I I have to confess to having some doubts about film actor Russell Crowe, a couple of items I've been sitting on. Uh, From April, it was noted that uh, Russell Crowe's band, titled 30 Odd Foot of Grunts, 
had broken up after 13 years and only a few thousand copies sold. The band never had a hit song, and its 2002 release sold 156 copies in its first week in Great Britain. Crowe said he was then looking forward to writing songs, quote, unrestricted of the needs of the band. And uh, naturally, he plans to release a solo album in the very near future. You know, we'll have to ask Todd when he shows up if he has anything from 30-odd foot of grunts. Because, you know, if any station's DJs are going to come through on that, that would be our guys here at KDVS. And the word from MIT was that apparently no visitors from the future showed up at the first and so far only convention for time travelers. I did like the caption on the AP article about this, uh, this uh, attempt to have a time travelers convention. Shows a student standing in an MIT courtyard with the caption, Party like it's 2099. You know, we promised more science on last week's show, so let's, let's do a little bit early today and not wait for the third segment. Uh, a team of gem experts assembled at the Smithsonian Institution may have solved, actually I'm sure they have, solved the mystery of where the 45-carat Hope Diamond came from. If they are right, it'll prove what has been long suspected, that the 69-carat French Blue Diamond that was stolen during the French Revolution uh, was, in fact, cut and surfaced later, 20 years later, in London in 1839 as, uh, as what became the Hope Diamond. And the story is, apparently, there was a 115-carat Tavernier a diamond, a very of striking blue color that was cut into the 69-carat uh, French blue, which I guess was the uh, the official uh, diamond of, of the French royalty. When they had a revolution, it, it was stolen. It disappeared. But uh, examining drawings and, um, uh, and comparing those to photographs of the hope, uh, these gemologists were satisfied that, these, um, that the geometry of these three diamonds fit together perfectly. Uh, People in the diamond world had long suspected this because there just aren't that many stunningly giant, perfect blue diamonds out there. But it is kind of interesting that they've satisfied themselves that, um, you know, they could fit them all together in a three-dimensional jigsaw puzzle. And uh, in a paper just published in Biology Letters, Robert Nell of Queen Mary College London and Richard Forty of that city's Natural History Museum have suggested that uh, one of paleontology's more uh, odd uh, features, that of trilobite spines, might be explained uh, as regards to sexual selection. It appears that these uh, pillbug-like creatures, which uh, filled the world's seas up till their mass extinction at the end of the Permian era, 251 million years ago, well, some of these odd spines, they figured were just... uh, Maybe um, different species? Well, they may actually be different sexes of the same species. These spines, uh, uh, you know, for some reason may have given uh, the particular individual trilobite an advantage in the battle for a mate. Pushing back the question of whether size matters, back into the Permian era. Economist magazine has a picture published of this, of this trilobite with this very strange trident looking like a pitchfork sticking out of the front of the animal with, uh, with the caption, Mine's bigger than yours. 
We mentioned a few weeks ago the book Freakonomics by economist Stephen Levitt. We're going to have to follow up on this, uh, noticing some of his unusual conclusions. Of course, the kind of conclusions that someone would come to who truly believes in the numbers. The numbers tell uh, Mr. Levitt that guns are safe, good parenting is irrelevant, and Molly is the whitest name in America. I don't know where, num- what number he came up with for that. Uh, it sounds like it's a rather whimsical book. But um, according to economist Stephen Levitt, abortions have lowered crime in America. Uh, he noted that in the past 20 years, crime has fallen roughly 30% more in states with high abortion rates than in states with low abortion rates. Between 1988 and 1994, crime dropped 13% more in states that had legalized abortion, first around 1970, than in states where abortion wasn't legal until 1973. Between 1994 and 1997, the drop in murders was 23% greater. So, does legalized abortion lower crime? Well, I would be willing to bet that yes, it would. I do wonder about Mr. Levitt. He seems to have some bizarre conclusions and some that seem to make sense, thinking outside the box. He did a study showing that crack dealers are underpaid, noting that a crack dealer can make as little as three thirty an hour. To get even close to making six figures, a dealer must rise through the corporate-like hierarchy to become gang leader, and the only way to become a boss is to put in time on the street corner where the chance of death is one in four, by comparison, the chance of a prisoner dying on Texas's death row is 1 in 20. We're going to have to get this book and try and assess some of, some of what's in here. Uh, this, one I, this one also, I believe, everyone cheats, especially teachers. He noted that uh, 5% of Chicago teachers change students' answers on test when they're threatened with termination for underperformance. Uh, no child left behind? Take note. And let's close with some good news for anyone who's ever had chickenpox. The chickenpox virus remains in our bodies after we've had it and erupts later in life, sometimes, in a very painful condition known as shingles. About a million people develop shingles in the U.S. each year, and about half of those cases are in people over 60. Uh, Merck has come up with a new vaccine which has uh, been proven or has been shown to be very promising in its, uh, in its reduction of the incidence of shingles in people who receive the shots. It's going to be the first uh, vaccine primarily for uh, adults over 30 years of age. Chickenpox uh, or shingles is also called herpes zoster. Um, uh, it, it, it's a very painful condition, particularly in people who develop the complication known as post herpetic neuralgia, which can be really quite excruciating and can last for months or even sometimes years. It was noted in the article by Andrew Pollack in the New York Times that one of the doctors studying this said that one of his patients, an avid tennis player, had to give up the game because the breeze on her forehead as she ran to the net caused unbearable pain. So again, if you've ever had the chicken pox, that includes, uh, that includes I think, probably most of us at this point. The vaccine hasn't been out all that long. Uh, you might want to consider this. And probably even if you if you didn't have chicken pox but received vaccinations for it, well, um, you know, this may be a factor for you too. I don't know. Interesting stuff. So um, let's take a short break and return and speak with Dr. Konstantin Pleshikov about uh, the terrible events that took place in Eastern Europe 
back in 1941. This is this is uh, this, this this should be fascinating. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and you're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.